Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Greskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're talking about on this show. Another ATP Challenger Tour breakdown from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Diaka Babaro. On today's show, they react to a crazy Challenger final in Salinas. Discuss Gastel Elias's continued success in Portugal. Break down the Slovak Tennis Federation election and so much more. It is another fantastic discussion that we know all of you listeners will both appreciate and enjoy. Of course, as always, a huge shout out to Damian and Jakob for their con- continued contributions to this show. But of course, a huge thank you to our friends at Turna as well for their continued support of all things we do here on the Great Shot Podcast. And all of you listeners will be well aware of Turna as their grip is iconic. It is the definitive grip right now on the tennis market. If you see See that iconic blue purple on the butt of any player's racket, you go, hey, that's a Turner grip. And perhaps you're wondering, what else do our friends at Turner do? It's not just grip, folks. They've got strings, they've got so many different pieces of equipment that can help accentuate and better your tennis game, of course, if you would like to join the Turner team today, you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned we here at Cracked Rackets sent you. Not only will they treat you like family, they'll hook you up with discounted prices. They'll hook you up with free samples. Again, contact them today at sales at uniquesports.com to learn more about not only their iconic grip, but all the things they do to better the tennis industry. Email sales at uniquesports.com. And a huge thank you to our friends at Turner for their support. With that said, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger Tour breakdown from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakobabro. Westoff, roll those court credits. Let's start today's show. 
Uh, hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. As you know, it's a very busy Challenger time, so we're just gonna jump right into it. Where are we starting this week, Jakub? Uh, I think that we should start with Mexico City, obviously the biggest of the challengers we had this week, and Mark Andrea Hisler. Uh, who won the title, shocking, I think, everybody, uh, beat out Tomas Martin Echeverri, 6-4, uh, in the final for his fourth challenger title. Uh, moved up 36 spots, number 140, his new career high. On his route to the final, he beat Clear Jr., Fikovic, Jean Vier, uh, and Meli Jenny. Um, what did you think of Hisler's uh, run here? I mean, we, we didn't really have him on his radar because of how awful he was in 2022 so far. I mean, I guess yeah. I guess the quarters in Lugano were okay, but before that, there were some really awful matches. And uh, perhaps he should have because he's extremely good on altitude, simply. Uh, he was uh, obviously the semifinalist at Kitzbühel, that, that, that breakout run that he had in 2020. Also, he won San Luis Potosi, where we're soon going to be headed. This week, yeah, mm-hmm. this week, right? We had uh, yeah. headed to San Luis Potosi, so I mean, he, he's just extremely good on altitude, which makes total sense with his serve, with how he can just take over the baseline against you. Like even even if you're Thomas Martin Echeverri, I don't think Echeverri's assets work that well in such conditions. But I mean, yeah. he's still you know, he's playing so well that it doesn't matter in most matches. But when Wessler is playing like this in faster conditions it's simply he was he seemed unstoppable in that final really and and he only pretty much i think he was only broken twice the whole week against uh janvier and clear jr so uh he just had that one week set pretty much in the first round which makes sense given he was off form but once he actually tuned in and and he's going to be dangerous as hell in in San Luis Potosi and then the the other Mexican event uh Aguascalientes is that yeah that sounds right yeah yeah um as for Echeverri, his sixth challenger final uh and he breaks the top 100 moves up 12 spots he's number 94 in the rankings now so congratulations to Tomas Martin Echeverri. uh his run here he beat Donsko in the first round Ayupovic Matheus Alves uh, and then Harry in a huge uh, semi-final match. Um, funnily enough, these two guys, they, they played each other three times, always in a semi-final or a final. Um, but yeah, what, what did you think of Echeverri this week? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I don't think he's particularly good on altitude, but it just doesn't matter at this point. Uh, over the past 24 challengers he played, he made 17 quarterfinals, which is just... Well, uh, I, I doubt anyone else has that sort of consistency, even guys who are just winning challengers left and right. Like, no, maybe, maybe someone, even Greek sport wouldn't really have it because he, uh, he, he had that streak where he lost in three first rounds, right? And other than that, he was mm-hmm. winning titles. So, I, I, I think it's really just, uh, just speaks to how consistent he's been. And even though he, he, he in that period, he only won like three challengers, right? Because he won on this year and and two in uh, Perugia and Trieste, but just yeah, the, yeah. the, the on, amount on, of difference. Challenger wins for, yeah. for it's obviously it's not only, but I mean for, for the whole for the amount of deep runs that we've seen from him, it's it's sort of like only. Uh, he also had a final against Wester already in, in CBU 2020, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Uh, but I mean, one of the most deserved top 100 debuts without main tour breakthroughs for sure, because there's you pretty much can't really do better 
without going deep at a at a main tour event or something. He 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 never got past the second round. So this is something that he's going to be certainly looking to do soon. Absolutely. I I I think he's sort of not maybe overdue uh like 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 a big run, but it's it's definitely coming for him at some point um in, in one of these clay events. Whether that's in South America or, or even Europe, potentially. Um, yes. As for some semifinalists, uh, we had Nicolas Khari um, make the sort of first big run of the season. Uh, and he, he was in trouble in the first round against Durasovic, uh, <laughs> took him to three sets, then beat Puccinelli de Almeida, uh, Meltzer, before losing to. Echeverri, any thoughts on uh, Harry, who also won the doubles here with Puccinelli de Almeida? Yeah, and he also finally got over that Puccinelli de Almeida matchup, which was a bit tough for him recently. Uh, he mm -hmm. lost to him in Concepcion and also in Italy last year, Todi, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but here, I, I think the, the the benefit of having the the, the faster surf, faster conditions, maybe more than than faster surface, because it's obviously more about the air. Uh, on altitude rather than rather than how the court reacts. Uh, so I think this this is really just a massive boost to his game. I kind of surprised he didn't beat that very honestly, uh, <laughs> especially as he was six three four two four two up at some point. And this like just seemed like a, a perfect opportunity for him to also score a first win against Echeverry because he he had a poor one a poor record against him as well. So, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised that he didn't do it. This isn't going to be my upset of the week, of course, uh, because Echeverri is just far too good for that. Uh, but, but yeah, just, just uh, a player who can use this, these sort of conditions to an amazing, uh, you know, he, he, it just really plays into his game as well, of course. Uh, yes, also making his first semifinal, actually his first back-to-back -back wins this year. Uh, was Felipe Meligeni uh, Rodriguez Alves uh, made the semis here, beating Escobedo in the first round, uh, then Peja Kostin and Eza Olivo before losing to Hisler. Uh, any thoughts on Meligeni? I don't think I've even seen a lot of Meligeni Alves this week. Uh, <laughs> That was sort of like the, the the quarter that never really seemed that interesting, to be honest with you. I I, I did watch some of Olivo Chapel because it was just so disastrous, honestly. Uh, but then then Olivo picked himself up, of course. But no, the the <laughs> Marijani Alves, I I didn't really get a good look at him this week. I can't remember whether he did well on altitude before, but it's certainly uh, you know we we sometimes forget how specific, how unique these conditions are. And mm. how much they they actually interfere with the results because we certainly wouldn't have expected Wessler to to win the title, and perhaps yeah. we we sort of you know should have just maybe maybe not picked him but just thought of him as a potential. Uh, we, yeah, we did talk I about him at all. <laughs> yeah, we did. I don't think we just yeah never never really paid the second look because he was just so. I mean, four eight in two thousand twenty two, and these uh, the two of these wins came in Lugano uh, just two, just two weeks ago. Uh, mm. We did cover Facundo Mena uh, being uh, a an altitude clay juggernaut, but I mean, uh, in his case, it's so much more uh, baffling. Uh, Westers, you no, know, he just has the game to 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 be amazing on it. Also, Maxine Janvier won a match, which was yes, two matches, two matches even yes, and that the first one was such a struggle. 
Uh, he was playing a Mexican wildcard, a 17-year-old, I believe. And <laughs> we, we, we talked about it last time that it's very rare that a guy on a 15-match win streak is such a huge favorite. And I mean, it almost worked out for the for the Mexican, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Genevieve Fanny gets his first points, first wins of the season, beat uh, Alvarez Valdez uh, and then uh, Londero in a, in a third set tiebreaker in the second round. So good, good for him. Um, one more quarterfinals that we can mention, I guess, uh, Mateus Alves, young Brazilian guy, fought through qualifying, uh, and it was a fight. Uh, Emery took him to 6-4 in the third, uh, then beat Gallo and Clark before losing to Echeverri. Uh, so do, do you feel like Alves is somebody that we should look out for in the future from these all these young Brazilians that we have knocking about? Honestly, there are so many of these Brazilians recently that I have to like look at his results and remind myself. <laughs> ah, okay. That's what, this was the guy who, who reached the quarters in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, I was more impressed with some of the other guys. Obviously, Igor Marcondes is not coming back anytime soon. Uh, if you if yeah. you don't remember, he was banned for uh, for doping actually the second time. So you know a repeat offense gives him like three years. Uh, Gustavo Haida was also very promising from what I remember. He played in Miami Qualies recently and and had a very good match against Kudla. Uh, so I, I I didn't really pay that much attention to to Alves yet, but who knows? There's really a lot of these young Brazilian guys coming up. Yeah, and I'm very grateful for, for Alves for shortening his name officially. Uh, so I don't have to read out De Carvalho Cardoso Alves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's nice of him, yes. Yes, yeah. Uh, we, we mentioned Harry winning the doubles. Right, should we move on to Salinas? Sure. Salinas, where we had the... Uh, craziest final, that's for sure, uh, with Emilio Gomez taking out Nicolas Moreno de Alboran, 6 7 7 6 7 5, to win his third challenger title. Um, I originally picked him, changed the pick to Mejia, didn't work, kicking myself uh, because I would have got myself a second point this week. Um, but nonetheless, Gomez moves up 18 spots, number 130, his new career high ranking. On his route to the final, he beat Guillen Meza, Dutra da Silva, Corwin, and Richard. Uh, what did you think of Gomez this week? I mean, how do you even how do you even explain what happened in the final? <laughs> because <laughs> Gomez was going so strong this week that obviously he was just you know uh, when Chris Eubanks went out, uh, I, I thought maybe Richard could challenge him just because of you know the serve and did the it? big game. Yeah. He, he didn't, so Gomez just looked like he was easily winning the whole thing. And then Moreno Dalboran was quite clearly the better player in the final, up until basically up until any crucial moment when both his level dropped and, and Gomez was actually starting to, to come up with some stunning shots. And as if you if you haven't heard of this, I mean, Nicolas Moreno Dalboran was up 7-6-5-3 and 40 0 on serve, so three match points. He also missed a smash there, where he basically thought that it was in for a second, and then the, the umpire told him, and then his camp probably looking from the camera, that um, that, that, that that it actually wasn't. Uh, and then in the well, usually when you see a breakdown like this, you you would expect that Gomez would just run away with the third easily, but it was actually the other way around, and he went up five two. Uh, double break, so served for the match two, twice more. No match points there, but also had another one on return, uh, where which Gomez served with a great serve and volley. 
And then he lost 7-5 after missing two more breakpoints at 5-5. At five, five. So just as a... It, it's tough when it's your, like, you know, fifth or tenth title, but with, when it's for your maiden title and you had this sort of, like, a very random breakthrough last year, which Moreno Dalboran had after years of struggling in ITFs, this is... You know, this one is really, really going to sting. Uh, the crowd was also very involved. With, I don't, I don't yeah. think it really contributed to, you know, to, to anything in, in terms of... Uh, the mentality there, but I mean, go, they, they definitely they definitely helped Gomez uh, a fair bit just just to stick around. Uh, it's ridiculous because Gomez defended his title from last year, where he also saved match points in the final. Uh, three of them, I believe, against Sajari. So you know, this one was this one was a lot weirder. It it last it started at like two a.m. in in Poland, and I was just honestly hoping that someone would finish this match. Because then you had to, you, had, you know, I had to wake up and watch, uh, you know, uh, the the Irish final and the Murcia final. So I, I was just really hoping that one of them would close it out, and it was just never ending. It seemed never ending when Moreno Dalboran had five two, uh, the the five two lead in the third, and then he ended up losing it anyway. I think it was three hours sixteen minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah, in, insane match uh, from the parts that, that I saw. Gomez um, looked incredibly aggressive after some uh, rallies. Like he was walking up to the net, shouting uh, towards uh, his opponent. Um, yeah, the, the crowd was definitely on, on his side, obviously, uh, since he's the home player. And I, I feel like some points the crowd, in, in a way, carried him through it. Because uh, I, I feel like if, if if this match is somewhere else, then I, I think that he sort of just sort of packs it in and gives up, uh, possibly. But yeah, impressive week from from Moreno de Alboran. Um, makes his first final, only his second challenger semi-final. Um, moves up 45 spots to break the top 50. He's going to be the new number 243. Uh, just to recap, his road to the final beat Nakagawa, 6-4 in the third. Eubanks, 6-4 in the third. Then Koyarini. Uh, then Kiros, 6-2 in the third before playing Gomez. So obviously he had a, a lot more time on court going to the final compared to his opponent. Um, yeah. Well, where, where do you think Moran Dalbaran goes from here? He's, he's 24. He's had this sort of very interesting week. Uh, yeah. What, what do you think is next for him? I mean, he's obviously not that sort of a top 100 talent or something, uh, but, but I like the fact that he was able to establish himself like as a, as a full on challenger competitor. It's great. Uh, he is definitely more than just you know what what people usually perceive him as just some sort of a very uh, you know by the book grinder. He the, the, that forehand may be not super powerful, but against Gomez he was really comfortable dictating with it. Uh, it, it opens up angles nicely. I mean sometimes even too much because because it uh, Gomez was, was firing like these counters. Uh, cross court over of, of these very like angled balls by by Moreno Dalboran, but I mean, it, I don't know. He he he's definitely ready to 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 establish himself in these very in these weaker challenger draws because th- this was obviously not not as strong as Mexico City or probably not as strong as any any other draw this week, maybe Sanremo. Uh, but then again, I mean, he really got the worst of it because he played the first seed. In the final, he played Eubanks, the second seed. He played the seventh seed, Colarini, and also Kiros. I think in 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 Ecuador, he he must be considered quite dangerous as well. 
I was kind of rooting for an all Ecuadorian final. That would have been pretty uh, a pretty good story. I mean, just a final between cousins, right? And then they they obviously mm-hmm. are, are are good friends. They they played a lot together. They they even played at the same college. So that that would have been a pretty cool story. But he he spoiled it. So I guess the Ecuadorians really hated him after that. Uh, he's in the in, he's in the Grand Slam qualies range right now, which I think he already played at the U.S. Open last year. But uh, with a was that a wild card or I, I can't remember. I think it was a wild card. Yes. Well, yeah. Uh, right now he card. won't. Yeah. Right now he won't need it for for the French probably. So. Yes. Well, quite interesting. They actually got a wild card there. I, I would not have expected that. Yeah. I just uh, remember he played, but honestly, yeah, it seems it seems pretty weird to me. Uh, but. Uh, he played Oang for sure. And did he get a wild card? Yeah, he did get a wild yeah. card. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, to, to mention some of the semifinalists here, uh, Alexander Richard, uh, you, you said that he looked dangerous. Um, yeah, he, he, he did look good. Beat uh, Brandon Holt, uh, Nicolas Alvarez, and then Ugo Karabey, who we mentioned should not be going in here. And we were right. He lost in the quarterfinals. You know, uh, pretty. A quarterfinal in a, in an 80 gives you how many points? I, was like, I always forget. 15, yeah. Uh, 15? 16. Oh, 16. So to get as many in Mexico City, he'd have to win two matches as well. Well, yeah. I, I mean, if you made the quarterfinal in Mexico City, that's 25. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, the, the second round there is like 11, I think. Okay. So I guess maybe it was worth it, actually. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I feel like with the right draw, he, he could have made a quarterfinal in Mexico City. Like, like the, 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 there were some weaker quarterfinalists. Yeah, there. possibly. Yeah, with, with, with the right yeah. draw, yeah, sure. Well, yes. Um, then the, the last Gomez, the other semifinalist was uh, Kiroz. We mentioned him. <clears throat> His first challenger semifinal since September 2019 in Columbus uh, beat Watanuki, then my pick, <laughs> uh, Mejia. Uh, and then JC Argon. Um, yes, anything else from Salinas that we want to talk about? Yeah, I, I had Chris Eubanks as a pick, and um, yeah. he lost to Moreno de Alboran, which I thought at first was pretty disappointing. But uh, looking at how the how the whole week ended up, I mean, I, I, I guess I can't really be too angry about it. I'm especially happy that you changed your pick, of course. Bambri Meneni winning the the doubles is pretty interesting as well. This is like the fourth week that Bambri is playing only doubles, which is Mm -hmm. comes as a bit of a shock because he actually looked quite competitive in in, even in Pune, the the ATP 250. And the the previous ones were um, ITF events. I think they won two of them, lost once to. Uh, Vardan and one one other Indian can't remember. Yeah, so, so uh, Mukund, Vardan, Vardan, uh, yeah. Mukund or Sasikumar, no one, no one knows. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, and and right now they just uh, took that to Salinas and, and won won again. I don't know if this is going to be like a full on doubles career for Bambri, but it's clearly working. Yeah, I I am confused by it. He, they are playing again next week in Sarasota. I don't think Bambri is in the qualifying draw there either. Uh, he's, I'm, I'm he's confused. Not, yeah, because. Because Bambri, as as you said, looked good in in Pune. He he beat Kovalik, he beat João Souza in in Dubai. Colis most recently he beat Torpegard in, in Davis Cup when they played. Um, I'm confused by the sort of doubles specialist route that he's taking. <laughs> I don't really get it. Um, but yeah, I I I am happy for it though. I'm I'm excited to see. Yeah, what and, he does and like the funny thing is that uh, Mineni actually played qualifying in Salinas as well. 
Yeah, and, and Bambri didn't. Which and is... Bambri didn't, which is like, I mean, for Mineni, it probably makes more sense to, to go full on doubles right now. He only played three matches this uh, this year. But Bambri is just, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's a really weird decision. But who knows? Maybe he's going to change it up soon. Yes. Yeah. And with that, we can go to uh, Oerash where Gastao Elias completed the double two years in a row. He, he reached the finals uh, and, and this time he, he wins both titles. Beat out your pick, Alessandro Gianessi, in the in the final 7-6-6-1 for his 10th challenger title um, in 21 finals. Just an insane challenger veteran that this guy is. Uh, moves up 17 spots to number 156. On his road there, he beats Fanzalo, Borges in the second round, Pirosh. Uh, collage in the semifinals before beating Genesee. Uh, any thoughts on, on Gustavo Elias? So much tougher than the first week, but I guess it had to be. Uh, I think we mentioned last time that like his expertise on, on in Portuguese events only started after the pandemic, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But I mean, right now he just looks like a top 100 player for sure, especially in Oairash. Uh, I have no idea if he's going to transfer it somewhere. Uh, if you remember uh, in 2021, after that great series in Oirash, because he was like, he, he made the final semi quarter and then won the title and was like, just very, even the losses were good. He just yeah. lost to Kolash, who was obviously great at that point, and to Borges yeah. and Alcaraz. And yeah. then he actually had a very solid run in Italy as well uh, for like a month. That's when he descended. In July, he descended into just you know mediocrity again. And I don't know if it's gonna last, but I hope he earned himself like an Ashtori wildcard at least qualities because last year he was he was missing from that event. Uh, and and he he should really get it honestly. I mean, after these two titles, I, I don't see how there's many others you you could you could prioritize over him because he he's clearly playing so well in portugal he he he, he enjoys the crowd as well which you can see and it, this week was tougher but you know, with with the, with the physical toll that back-to-back weeks give you i i think it really just had to be like this and he just overcame everyone like it was nothing i mean not like it was nothing but you know, the, he he faced so much adversity from Pirosh and from Borges, even from Kolash, which was quite a bit of a surprise. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, uh, Elias here, incredibly impressive week, uh, having to fight through those three three setters in a row that he had: Borges, Pirosh, uh, Kolash, um, and then to go and, and, and be Genesi like that it was very impressive for Genesi. Uh, it was his eleventh challenger final. He moves at 15 spots, number 163. Uh, on his road to the final, he beat Darderi, Marojan, O'Connell, and Kovalik. Uh, yes, how, how did you feel about Genesis this week? Yeah, I, I picked him, which was um, a little bit out of character for me. I guess I just never really considered him uh, a favorite for titles. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad with the with the pick. I mean, I, I never would have guessed, uh, would have went Gashtar Elias for the second time, especially with the section he was in with, with Borges. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 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 I'm glad with the with the way it went. Uh, Giannis, he just really makes a mess of so many of his matches, but then he's also really good at winning these third sets. So I guess I guess that's totally fine for him. Uh, he was actually on a nine lo- uh, a nine match losing streak in semifinals at the challenger level, 
That's why mm-hmm. he hasn't had a final in, in so long, despite what it feels like. I mean, it feels like he's been in these, you know, the business ends of the weeks. So uh, even in 2021, even in 2022, because he had semis in Rosetto degli Abruzzi and then uh, Oairash last week. So yeah. so this it really felt like, felt to me like he would have actually made the made a final you know much uh, you know not not as long ago as 2019 but that, that's that's why yeah he simply lost nine semifinals in a row finally got over the line and uh, I don't know in the second set he was kind of unmotivated against Elias not sure what really destroyed him there when well, maybe it was the the first set tie break that that's just run away from him perhaps he you know he, the momentum was too much there was also like a a line call that he didn't agree with right that uh, for 2-0 in the second where Elias cleaned the line with his uh, with his forehand and Genesi uh didn't think he made it uh tough 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 to call from the stream of course but just just from the feeling of it it looked like the, it, it did bounce in uh, and that also probably led to his lack of interest later on in the final. Uh, yes, yeah, we also had a couple of mm, so, sort of surprising semi-finalists. Uh, the, the more surprising perhaps was Daniel Collage, who has been on the struggle bus uh, this year uh, before coming into Oyarash here um, to reach the the semifinal, he beat Louis Wessels, Oscar Jose uh, Gutierrez, and my pick, Dimitar Kuzmanov, in a crazy, crazy match. 6-1, love 6, 7-6. But yeah, collage back to the semifinals for the first time since uh, Szczecin last year. Uh, yes, any, any thoughts on collage here? Uh, I mean, just a weaker draw, really. I, I don't yeah. think either Kuzmanov or Kolaj are, are at their best right now. He he did have a good set against Elias. Like Elias actually looked like he was completely out of that match at that point, but then then recovered and just blasted him off the court and sits two and three. Uh, I didn't really you know, think that much of of Kolaj's sudden sudden resurgence, but uh, I'd love to see it obviously on a more regular basis. But but th- this was mostly just uh, a bit of a weaker quarter, you know. Yeah, he, he also made the final with uh, Adam Pavlasek in the doubles yes. to Borges Cabral, uh, who, I mean, they're they're just incredible, <laughs> these guys. Uh, 10 and 1 on the year uh, so far. Once again, back-to-back uh, titles. We're actually really pushed by Valkov and Juk now that I look at it. Yeah, 15-13. <laughs> yeah, wow. they convert. They converted their seventh, and they uh, well, they con- yeah, they converted their seventh, their seventh, and they uh, saved two. They're actually twenty four and one in their last twenty five matches. That's, the, that's the, wild. Yeah, the only p- pairing that beat them was Cornell and Fallert, and they also mm. took revenge on on them this week in the semis. Uh, it's just incredible. I mean, hopefully they're gonna debut on the main tour in Estoril. I'm I'm really curious how that's gonna go because here, outside of Valkov and Jok, I mean, recently they're just not even facing any adversity. Like the, the everyone is just so easy for them to beat. They lost indoors to Cornea and Fallert, of course, but indoors is you know isn't the preferred choice of either of them. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely a pairing that will succeed the most in clay. They, they you know, there may be not for any Bolelli at the Australian Open, but I mean, they, they're they really good from the baseline. They're great at returning. They're, they're not exactly 
uh, they're, they're very good at the net, but I mean, they're, they're not like this sort of pairing who would, uh, who would just uh, benefit from faster surfaces only with their serves and all. They're definitely more about returning and, and also uh so so i think their the you know their best surface is definitely clay and it, but that streak is not only about clay right they they, they had a couple of uh, hardcore challengers as well tenerife i think mm-hmm. and then uh the one in bahrain manama so oh, oh, eight titles over the past 11 or 12 months something like that depending on how you count uh which is just uh, absurd of course insane yeah um yeah, I I would love to see these guys uh, maybe make it to a, to a slam in doubles or something. See what they can do there. Uh, obviously, it's going to be very hard for them playing together, but um, would be very exciting to see. Yeah, I think uh, to, in order for them to play more on the main tour, Nuno would probably have to start playing on the main tour in singles. Yeah. Then it's yeah. actually possible. But right, right now, as he still has to play challengers in singles, like pretty much only, uh, that they're just going to keep appearing in challengers, I suppose. Yeah, I mean they're they're making a very strong case for for winning the, the challenger doubles crown this year. Um, in terms of the last. titles, yes, but in terms of the race, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in terms uh, of the race, it's going to be tough with Dumbia Rebel going in week in week out. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Should we move on to to Murcia? Sure. Yes, Murcia, where Chung Tsin Seng uh, was his third challenger title, beating out my pick, Norbert Gombos, 6 4 6 1 in the final. Um, he moves up 15 spots to number 125, his new career high ranking. Uh, sort of an, an easy, easy way to the, to the final there for, for Tseng, beat Krutich, Merida Aguilar, Kachin, Gachov before uh, beating Gombos, not losing a single set all week. What did you think of Tseng this week? Yeah, I've said so much shit about Tseng over the years. <laughs> but I kind of feel stupid right now. I mean, I still don't see how he really turns it into a huge career. I don't know, like a top top 50 uh, on, on the main tour or something. But it's just, you know, since December last year, he's gotten incredible at clearing these slightly weaker challenger fields fields does this count as slightly weaker probably still right oh. i mean he he beat krutik marida aguilar gakov and then only kachin and uh and gombosh are, are really you know uh opponents who make deep runs at challengers frequently uh or maybe not that frequently even in in kachin's case but kachin definitely was playing very well since uh since marbella since beating team which is quite interesting too but i mean yeah uh Seng just uh on, on in challengers this year he's 16 and 3, I believe. And if you count like until the the beginning of December last year, it's 25 and 4, which is obviously ridiculous. He's up to 125 in the ATP rankings. Yep. Which is yeah. you know, however you want to see it. I mean, the, it, this is really close to the top 100 and uh, and he's gotten a lot of these points in the latter half of the year or even at the beginning of this year. So there's like a real chance that in a few months, Johnson Seng is going to be uh, a top 100 player. And um, yeah, let, let's welcome him there. <laughs> he's still just 20. Obviously, uh, I, I've never really, as I said, I've never really thought that this was going to be like a top to, next top 10 player, but 
uh, he's certainly improving at a more rapid pace right now after a few years of just being very, very stale because he only, before Maya, December 2021, he only had one challenger final. It was Prague 2019. And mm-hmm. in that two years, it just seemed like he made practically zero progress, which is kind of funny because he was formerly coached by Dominic Rybatin. And <laughs> uh, this is a question because you, you probably remember better. Remember, remember it better. Uh, isn't it? Wh- when did they stop working together? When did they stop working together? Yeah. Um, oh God, I'm trying to remember. Like may- maybe summer last year or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because isn't isn't it <laughs> right before like, he got good? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's that's what I mean. That was just the thought that came to my mind today. That that he actually stopped working with Dominic Rubati, and then the results came. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like to think that it's the it's the long term seeds that Herbati planted in Tseng as as a young player uh, that will help him develop them the road. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been seeing a lot of stuff from Herbati. We had elections for the new president of the Slovak Tennis Association this year. Uh-huh. Uh, this uh, Miloslav Mečić uh, got it. Uh, he actually ran against Martin Klijan, who who uh, submitted wow. his. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he, he announced that he was running the day after first uh, of April. So on second of April, he announced it, and everybody thought that he was joking because he just came sort of nowhere. Um, but yeah, there, there's been all this drama, all of these accusations of, of corruption because there was also the mm-hmm. the region one, the regional ones. Um, yeah, but wild stuff happening. But that's uh, incredible. I mean, and this is this is just really gold info. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I I never would have expected to hear that Martin Klijan ran for the, the Slovak Tennis Association president spot. I mean, wow. I think Miroslav Mecic is going to do better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's he's worked within the system for a very long time as they yeah. kept and stuff where Klijan was more sort of the, the anti-system candidate because he's been um, he's been against the association since the very beginning, basically. Um, it's interesting how this I'm, is like a parallel of actual elections, right? <laughs> like like actual elections. These are elections too, but I mean elections in the sense that you're, you're you know, choosing uh, yeah. the president of a country, and then there's also this this candidate that is the protege of a former great politician or something. And then there's this another candidate who is just coming in and saying that he's going to ruin the establishment. And, no, yeah. I mean, like his his biggest issue, I think, is is the way that the money is distributed mm-hmm. because, um, like, the association supports a lot of older players. Okay, like I, I think until like two or three years ago, uh, they were they were still giving money to Norbert Gombosch, mm-hmm. which was wild because he was like twenty seven or twenty eight, whereas the association should be supporting more younger players, bringing through talent. Whereas now it's more, it's very like they they just pick 10 kids and, and they just work with them. And oftentimes the selection process, it's, it's skewed towards, I don't know, children or former players or okay. stuff yeah, like that. that. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But, but both of their points, I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to work out. Anyway, uh, <laughs> who, who are we talking about? Gombosh, yes. His 16th challenger final uh, goes seven and nine. Doesn't really move in the rankings. Moves at one spot to number 109 because he was defending... Um, a quarterfinal for Marbella, uh, a, a 250 last year, but defended it successfully in, the, in this sort of roundabout way. So happy that he stays up there. It was a rocky week for him, that's for sure. Reaching the final, uh, beat Nava, 
pushed to a third set tiebreak by Roka Bataya. Beat through Haiti in the match that I watched. He actually looked pretty good in that and then was pushed to a third set tiebreak. But then it's Novak. Um, any thoughts on, on Gombos here? Yeah, three match points there against Novak as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, saved, I think, two are unreturned serves and one was just like a, a good serve plus one. Um, I looked at Norbert Gombos this week and I thought about what we talked, you know, what we talked about last time. That is he better than Sonego? Because I read, I just read a tweet, I read out a tweet that I, that I saw during the week, uh, which seemed a little bit off to me. But then again, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I I struggle to see it honestly. <laughs> I think there's like peak Gombosh is, is better than Sonego, I think. But yeah, yeah but this, this that, peak that peak only happens, you know. That peak only happens once every 50 matches. Then then that peak doesn't really matter. And is peak Gombosh really better than peak Sonego? Like the the very best Lorenzo Sonego match that you can think of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm saying pure, pure talent-wise. Uh, obviously, yeah. As I said when we had the first discussion, Gombosh mentally struggles in, in a lot uh, of matches. Let's not get into it. Uh, I don't want to call out any Slovak bias because then my Polish bias will get, will get called out at some point. Uh, not with Gombosh. I don't know. He just got really frustrated in the final. Didn't have any idea as to how to break through sank. Oh yeah, I mean the, the, the direct smash that he had uh, right mm-hmm, before the yeah. match, that was insane. Where yeah, there was a call that he didn't like on on the on the point before, so he, all of a sudden he's lost thirty down. Uh, then I, I think he got passed or something. Um, it, was, it was like a passing shot, mm-hmm. and then he just obliterated his racket. <laughs> yeah, in terms of racket breaking, he he might be better than Sonego. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> Ray, quick quick word about some of the semifinalists here. Uh well both of them. Denis Novak reached the semifinals. Um not not, not the toughest road, I think, to a semifinal that you'll have Misolic, uh Miguel Damas, then beat uh Jimeno Valero, who was actually pretty impressive, 6-3 in the third. First, well, well not, not not first, but he he's he reached the semi in, in Kimper, then had this down period. And now he's sort of back. Uh, so yeah, do 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 you feel like this is like he's back to contention at 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 these challengers or or not really? He's always been sort of inconsistent, right? I just yeah, he, he can randomly pick for an event, and I, I'm not sure if it, that it happened here. But Misolic and Jimeno Valero are just, are really good wins, you know. Like the, these are potential banana skins at this level already. So uh, obviously he he will regret missing these three match points against Gombos, especially as the two unreturned serves they weren't like aces or something they were just uh, you know, returns that he could have made. Not you, you don't necessarily have to make them, but I mean you you certainly could. Yes, the other semifinalist, uh, big shock here, Ivan Kachov. Um, which is his second career semi-final on the Challenger Tour. Uh, his his first one was October 2017 in Almaty. Um, yeah, he he got a retirement from Serundolo in the first round, uh, beat Justino, beat Foretek in what, what I thought was a big shock that he took out Foretek there. I did not expect that before losing to Tseng. Uh, thoughts on Gakov? 
I guess I always sort of considered him a challenger level player when he was playing well. I, I, I was surprised to see that he was slumping so much. Obviously, this run easily could, you know, just could have not happened if, if he didn't convert, if, if he, if Serundolo pretty much choked the match away in the second set and then had to retire. But as you mm-hmm. said, I mean, the, the, the Foretek win was amazing. Uh, it's that de- it was definitely a more a more impressive run than the Almaty one that he had. I I can't remember right now who he beat, but I, I checked this during the week and I, I remember that was like um, just quite random. Was it 2017, right? Yes. Yeah. Ivanov. Pav- oh, maybe actually no. I, I I think I confused something. It was Ivanov Pavlashek and Garcia Lopez, and at that point both Pavlashek and Garcia Lopez were still actually very good players. Uh, obviously not, not, not right now, really. Uh, but yeah, huge upsets there as well against Garcia Lopez and Pavlashek. So to re- I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with it because for, for the most part in 2020, uh, in 2021 or, or early 2020, he's just been mostly you know, playing on the ITF tour, sometimes a good run, sometimes uh, a series of, of weird losses. It, it's weird because, I mean, when looking at this guy, I, I I really feel like he he could be doing much more with this with this big lefty forehand. The, the the serve is always always like the the angles of it are are definitely unpleasant to face. Um. Yes. Right. Should should we go on to um uh, Sanremo? Uh, maybe one more thing about the doubles oh. as well in Murcia. Inigo Cervantes won it with Oriol Roca Batalla. Oh wow! And I sort of yeah I sort of forgot Inigo Cervantes was still playing. Because he, I guess he sort of wasn't because he only played one ITF in January, uh, both in singles and in doubles, also with Roca Bataya in the in doubles there. And then they, they played Murcia here and won the won the title. Pretty wild run also. So uh just you know, just because I completely forgot that this guy existed. Uh, just just yeah, like I, six years ago he he was in, in the top one hundred, right? So yeah, I, I I completely missed that he won the title here. Um, we also had Marero Emulia in this draw, yeah. won five games against Gerd uh, Hermans. So, you know, nothing to write home about. No bought or sold match <laughs> this time around. Um, yes, now we can go to San Remo where uh, Holger Rune uh, got us our point uh, this week each, uh, beating out Francesco Passaro 6-1, 2-6, 6-4. Uh, in the final for his fifth challenger title, five on one in finals. All of his challenger titles are in Italy uh, or San well, Marino. San Marino, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, San Marino it, it, is it, it, in Italy. by Italy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's own um, it's in place. I was trying to think of I don't know uh, what what the correct naming is for San Marino and Clav and Clav. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, but yeah, it's encompassed by Italy, so I would say within the Italy region, he has he has won all of his <laughs> challenger titles there. Uh, moves of twelve spots to number seventy nine uh, on his road. He beat Tiornev, uh with a magnificent tiebreak to in, in the second set, like fourteen twelve or something. Yeah, uh, Nerman Fatic, Matteo Gicante, Andra uh, Arnaboldi, uh, and then Passaro in the final. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rune? It was a pretty weak draw. It, it wasn't yeah. that bad from the very beginning, but honestly, all the guys, I remember when picking Rune, I mentioned a few 
uh, tennis players I was worried about. And it was like Zapieri, Coboli, and they all just went out <laughs> instantly. <laughs> so by the time he reached the, probably even the quarters, I mean, I was pretty dead certain that he was going to win this. And then Passaro gave him such a tough time. I mm-hmm. I really don't know what to think of this because Runa in the in the opening set his forehand was on fire he was using the drop shots so well as well so well too and I, I I just thought that he was just going to win this in an hour and go to Monte Carlo yeah because this is a obviously a storyline we need to mention that on yeah. the very same day that Runa played the final in Sanremo he also played the first round of the qualies in Monte Carlo. And for, uh, Flavio Coboli actually played the first round of the qualies in uh, Monte Carlo, then went back to Sanremo for the doubles final. And then the next day he was today, uh, because we're recording this on a Sunday, he was playing Emil Rusufori in the, in the Monte Carlo qualies final round. Uh, Coboli didn't qualify and, and Rune did. Uh, but anyhow, uh, you know, just for that reason, I thought he has to beat Passaro quite, you know, just has to do it pretty quickly, especially with the fitness issues that he's had. Uh, but he didn't, and he actually started already. Like, business match wasn't even, like, two hours long because it was 6-1 to 6-6-4 short sets, mm-hmm. and he was already having some issues. Uh, two medical timeouts in the, sec- in the second, uh, third set. I mean, they, they were very close. They were very short. They weren't... Uh, like five minutes long. No, no, that that, that wasn't the case. I, I think one of them was just you know during the changeover, but still counts according to the to the graphic on the scoreboard. It was tough to say what exactly was going on, but because of that, I just uh, you know I just I just believed that maybe he wasn't going to have enough for Monte Carlo qualities, but he did. It's important to mention that Sanremo and Monte Carlo are just like under an hour drive away. So it's not exactly like the, the greatest feat in the world to play both, but still makes for a very interesting story. Uh, Passaro played some amazing tennis at set, set two, then the, the third was pretty much a mess. And uh, in the end, Rune just had to bring him the ball back. And Passaro, even in the last game, he committed four unforced errors. I think he just really, you know, the Italian just really felt like he has to be aggressive there. And that's not really his game. And that, that probably shows more when you're uh, under pressure, when there's a tight situation that you have to get out of, and he didn't. Um, yeah, I, I saw somebody on Twitter calling this like preferential treatment or something. No, uh, no that's... For, for Rune, I, I really don't think that's the case. Do, do, do you think that? or No, really? that, that's bullshit, honestly. I, I think I know who you're referring to. I don't know. That's, we don't have to mention, I, I guess. But uh, I, I, I'm not sure he deserves it, honestly. But <laughs> um, I mean, uh, it's, it's just very obvious and clear that uh, tournaments do ask their players where they want to be, when they want to be scheduled, if there's like any sort of chance that they can help them. And it's, it's just common sense. I, I, I really don't understand the issue of this. I think the guy was suggesting that maybe not everyone would be treated the same. Uh, but I mean, what? I mean, Rune, okay. Koboli isn't a big name. He was treated yeah, the same. He exactly. The scheduling he wanted. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, there has to be some sort of a, a line drawn somewhere that if Rune asked to play on Sunday, 
then that would be obviously yeah. just too much because the, the opponent would have just said, no, that, that's impossible and he would have to withdraw or something. But if it's just scheduling their match at 5 p.m., and that's really not anything that does, you know, any damage to the tournament or any damage to Radu Albots, the, the, the opening round uh, opponent of, of Rune in Monte Carlo. So, yeah, it's just it's just normal. And that's how it works at every single event. That's not, you know, the cases don't go as, uh, that they aren't as obvious, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, the, the supervisor or in the case of the of the bigger events, the team setting up the schedule, they, they know... Uh, you know, they, they, they call the players uh, or and ask them what's their preference a lot of times if there's some sort of scheduling conflicts. So, yeah, yeah no problem with that whatsoever. Yes, uh, as for Pasado, his first uh, challenger final moves up 139 spots in the rankings uh, to break the top 400 uh, at number 354. He actually started it all off with beating Gulbis. In the first qualifying round, uh, then Persico, Goyo, Muller, uh, Matevalkus, uh, and Mager in the semis, 6-1-6-1, brutal. Um, yeah, what, what, what do you think the future is for, for Passaro, 21 years old? He actually played 14 challengers before this and never went past the first round, which is crazy. He also <laughs> scored his three best ranking uh, you know, wins ranking-wise. Uh, over Mager, Muller, and uh, Goya. Uh, so that's just completely out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he, he's a pretty good grinder. He's very gritty, uh, solid from the baseline. Definitely can hang around these these Italian challengers event challenger events. I think he also earned himself a wild card this week, right? To yes. to Barletta, yeah. which is gonna be mm -hmm. which is pretty cool for him as well because he. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if he would have been able to. Uh, if he would have been able to play the qualities, then he would have received a special exam. So, uh, so I, I don't think he was even. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he definitely he wouldn't even make the qualities in. He would make them as an alternate, but that doesn't count for special exam. He was actually the first alternate to the qualifying in Barletta. So it's definitely a, a run that will go that is going to open doors for him. Uh, I I didn't see it coming at all. Uh, the, the win over Mager, uh, I saw just some parts of it, honestly, and I saw uh, many people suggesting that Mager tanked it in order to play Monte Carlo. Uh, mm. Possible. Uh, I don't know. The scoreline looks a bit weird. Mager was definitely all over the place. Then again, Gianluca Mager is, is a player that has these losses every once in a while, actually even quite often. Uh, so I don't know. Just I I just can't judge it or, or anything, but but that that win certainly has some sort of an asterisk over it. But in general, that was that was really a fabulous week for him. And the the tennis he played in the second set against Runa was just just phenomenal. He was really aggressive there, and it it was working. It just stopped when the, when the pressure came. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if Maguire did tank it, it didn't do him any good. We lost the first yeah. qualifying round in in Monte Carlo. Um, a couple of quarterfinalists that I wanted to pick out here. Uh, Matteo Gigante made, made his first uh, challenger quarterfinal. Took out uh, Koboli in three sets in the first round and a pretty big upset. Um, and then beat Matteo Martino as well before losing to Rune pretty easily. Lost to Rune. Um, he's been doing pretty good on, on uh, ITFs. Had sort of two, two finals, one, one title there. Uh, any thoughts on Gigante? 
yeah, as, as I said, he he's on a very good run recently. I think he lost to to Iona only, right? And in, in these two, in these two ITFs that he played, uh, certainly just another one of these army of young Italians that, that looks quite promising. He also Kobali was also his doubles partner, and they they, they lost the doubles final uh, to Blancano and Miller. Uh, I mm. think Gigante is actually quite uh, quite interesting. Like he could have like a better rising curve, just a, uh, more room to grow than some of the other guys. But there's no, no. I, I I said that there were many Brazilians right now breaking through, and in in the case of Italy, of course, yeah, that, that's like ten times more. So it's just incredible i and perhaps it's actually the the influence of all these italian challengers and ITFs. yes the, the other one i wanted to pick up was mate valkus uh who made the quarterfinals as a qualifier uh beat maestrelli fonio donati and albot uh he sort of reminded himself to me when he won back-to-back ITFs in bratislava uh last summer but on the challenger tour it's only his third quarterfinal and his first since october 2018 in Shenzhen, um, so pretty, pretty huge result for him, and I hope that we, we see more of Valkus on on the Challenger Tour yeah, coming I, up. I remember last year when Piroš and Maroshan sort of emerged. I I did mention Mate Valkus as well, Valkus mm-hmm. or, or Valkus. I, uh, I'm not that familiar with Hungarian phonetics, but I think it's like S, right uh, at the end. Yeah, uh, I, 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 think so. I think so. Yeah, it's it's like red. Uh, the other way around compared to Polish that S and yeah. Z are red S and S is red sh, which is just super weird, but uh, never mind. Uh, I was actually shocked to discover that he has a challenger final from 2018. I did not remember that at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he actually had a good match against uh, Lorenzi in Cordenon. Uh, I, I I didn't remember this, but I remember mentioning him last year because he, uh, you mentioned these Bratislava ITFs, but I did watch him a lot in uh, Budapest a bit later, uh, where mm-hmm. he beat uh, Pavel Cash in the final. Uh, this was this was a very fun uh, final to watch because Valkus wasn't even serving normally. Like he was just, it wasn't quite underarm, but he was just throwing up the ball Right around to know, his ne- the ne- the level of his neck, and then just like hitting hitting like a forehand something like this. And that's how he was serving in the whole match, and he actually beat Josh doing that. Uh, <laughs> that's insane. I, yeah, I remember watching this, and I was like, I remember this guy. I don't think he had this, and I obviously just put on some uh, some YouTube videos and confirmed that to myself. But yeah, he was just as good as Maroshan and Piroš last summer. Uh, so that I I always thought that this was going to be someone who will at some point play more challengers and hopefully this is a start. Yeah, that that final round was insane. He double bageled Stanley Collage in the, <laughs> the quarterfinals. Yeah, he was like barely losing games, right? Yeah, yeah, he he, he was he was killing it until Lorenzi uh, took him out in the final there. Um, yeah, that, that's insane. That would definitely get in my head uh, if somebody was doing that against me in a match. Uh, <laughs> there's a I, I i think i recorded a video of it so i'm gonna send you send you the the link after uh after we stop finish recording right yeah uh yes should we go to match of the week and upset of the week uh sure yes um my upset of the week is moreno de alboran taking out eubanks 
um, in Salinas. I, I actually thought that Eubanks was a very strong pick that you made. Uh, and I was very happy to see more involved when I'm thinking about I was very surprised. Um, yes, what was yours? Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the bookies and according to them, there's some, there's some, I mean, Janvier over Londero, of course, that was one of the, the, the weirder ones. Mm. Pervolarakis over Hijikata is actually the one of the highest odds, which I guess is a little bit of an, like they, they just underrated the Greek, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand that Hijikata, after the 25k results that he had, was was the favorite there, but I just don't think Pervolarakis is that, that bad, I guess. And Gakov over Foreitek was also very uh, highly priced, but I will go for Moreno Dalboran over Eubanks as well. And as you said, I after the recording, like this was the peak that I felt very, like, that, that felt very good to me. Uh, it's rare that after I make a certain peak, I'm like, yo, that's, that's, that's a good one. And here I totally had that. Uh, I, I thought that this was really like an inspired prediction. And yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. My match of the week, I have gone for Echeverri over Hari. Uh, I felt felt like it was a very good match, you know, third set tie break, uh, a, a, a strong comeback from Echeverri. Uh, yes, what is yours? Yeah, I didn't pick it yet. <laughs> uh, now I don't want to go for the same. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to go for Borges Elias then. Uh, yeah. I, I mentioned it a lot of times that I like this matchup. And again, it delivered, really. Uh, Borges just, uh, in, the, in the first set, he looked like he was easily going to win this. He has that sort of big power advantage in this one. Also, his backhand is much better because in Elias's case, it just, you know, he defends with it mostly it's mostly a target and Nuno actually has two weapons uh, which is a big difference but Elias played some phenomenal tennis to win this one and just just really proved that form sometimes can uh, be more important than the matchup he's now 3-5 down against uh, Nuno and they both have uh, one retirement win each so I guess it's like more like a 2-4 uh, yes, yeah. Sorry, I'm distracted. I'm watching Molchan uh, in, in his, oh, in his yeah. first <laughs> uh, he, he seems to have lost his head. He, he was a set in a breakup. It's now 1-1 uh, sets. Gofan has a break in the, uh, in the final, but, aye, aye. That's a really yeah, good he, chance for Molchan to, to grab his first title, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he, he seems to be a bit too head in, in his head now. We'll, we'll see. Maybe he, he'll dig himself out of it. Um but yes, onto the previews. We have four events. Uh, we head into this week uh, predicting we have 4-4 four, four after we both got Rune. And uh, despite a couple of finals appearances from guys, I had Gombos, you had Janessi. Uh, we both had a, we, we both had a, a Chaveri. We didn't get a, a second point, uh, even though at some point it looked like we could have gotten you know three each <laughs> almost yeah it's a very uh, and then yeah Gombos and Genes. yeah I, I i actually thought that we are easily going to like two to get two and potentially one of us was going to get three yeah. but we we suck at this so yeah um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes yeah Let, let's start with the biggest event sure. uh next week it's sarasota it's back uh back in florida on the green clay, where the top seed is Denis Kudla playing Prachnes Kunesvaran. Winner faces Michael, Michael Moe or Andrew Harris. Uh, other seed in the section is Jack Sock, who is surrounded by qualifiers. He, he faces a qualifier in the first round and then a matchup of qualifiers in the second round. Um, 
Let me just. Yes, uh, second section, we have Steve Johnson, the fourth seed playing Andrea Coyarini. Winner faces Yosuke Watanaki or Jason Jung. Uh, then we have Tomas Barrios Vera facing Govind Nanda. Uh, winner faces Nicolas Moreno de, Moreno de Alboran or Mitchell Kruger. Third section, we have Alejandro Tabilo playing Emilio Gomez. Winner faces Tennis Sandgren or Alexander Richard. Uh, then there's Juan Ignacio Londero playing a qualifier. Winner faces JJ Wolf or a qualifier. And uh, the final section, we have Jordan Thompson playing Tunglin Wu. Winner faces Ryan Harrison or a qualifier. And then Daniel Elahi Galan plays Bjorn Fratangelo. Winner faces Jason Kubler or Sumit Nagal. Uh, yes, who do you like here from this draw in Sarasota? Yeah, I love this draw, honestly. I, I will watch it for sure. Uh, I will watch a lot of this. Uh, there's also plenty of good players in the qualities. Gies Brouwer, maybe, who, who just reached yeah. the quarters at, at Houston. Max Purcell is the alternate, but also the first the first seed. Uh, Hijikata, mm -hmm. who really should be made, who should be starting to make impact at challenger level. Kovacevic and Galarno, the guys I always, uh, I always seem to mention. There's a few interesting uh like players just being here even arthur fees for example came to to the mm -hmm. states which is which is somewhat surprising Sfida is, is another one that could go on a on a decent run yeah and anyone who who comes out of the qualities can can really do something in this event uh, but the main that's not to say that the main draw is is weak at all Actually, plenty of guys that I would like to pick have some sort of a tough first round matchup. Like, I don't really want to go into Kudlagunes Varan. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't really want to go into Fratangelo Galan as well, or even Tabilo Gomez for the matter. Uh, Jordan Thompson could be like a sneaky good pick because the, the section is a little weaker. But I, I think I am going to go with Steve Johnson. This feels kind of risky, but he played well in Houston, barely lost to uh, John Isner. And I guess that the section is just, you know, it speaks to me on green clay. I'm not sure how Mitch Kruger does on, on green clay, but I think if Johnson plays this, you know, at the level he had in Houston, he is going to be one of the, uh, one of the favorites to win this challenger title. Um, yes, yeah. I, 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 outside of the guys that you mentioned, I this is a draw where I would love to pick Fratangelo. Mm -hmm. He's just somebody that I love to pick on on green clay. Um, I sort of looked a little bit at, at Sandgren. I think he he won this or, or reached the final before in Sarasota. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't like the second round matchup against Tabilo or Gomez. I'm going to go with, despite the dangerous qualifiers that we have on offer, I'm going with Jack Sock. Um, just feel like I mean, it's, it's his movement on on clay is, is decent. Um, don't don't hate the section at all. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy with this pick. Yeah, Jack Sock. Cool. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Uh, let's see which qualifiers he gets because it could be either really tough or very yeah. doable. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes. Let's move on to San Luis Potosi where the top seed is the one, the only, Andre Martin, playing Julian Lenz. Uh, winner faces Nikola Kuhn or Juan Pablo Fikovic. Uh, then we have Federico Gallo playing Peja Krstin. Winner faces Filip Cristiano or a qualifier. 
then we have the section of two altitude specialists, Facundo Mena. Uh, is the fourth seed playing Xi Zheng Zhang, uh, winner faces Nicolas Mejia or Viktor Durasovic. And then Marc-Andrea Hisler, uh, champion for Mexico City, plays a qualifier and then a qualifier or a qualifier. Third section, Ernesto Escobedo plays Alex Hernandez, uh, winner faces Mateus Pochinoi de Almeida or Denis Istomin. Uh, the two actually had, I think, a very interesting match last week where they went like super long. Surprisingly enough, because uh, I, I thought Istomin was sort of cooked uh, by this point. Uh, then we have Renzo Oliva playing Arthur Cazal, uh, who's an interesting inclusion in the draw. Uh, winner faces Goncalo Oliveira or Shintaro Mochizuki. Final section, we have Nicolas Cari playing Gerald Nelser. Winner faces uh, Rodrigo Pacheco Mendes or qualifier. And then Jay Clark plays a qualifier. Winner faces... Uh, Melijani Rodriguez Alves or Don Skoy. Um, yes, who do you like here in San Luis Potosi? Yeah, uh, I sort of like l- looking at the draw at first, I was like, how is Andre Martin still a top seed in Challenger events? <laughs> and I looked for his point, you know, for the ranking breakdown that he has. And up until the 13th of June, I believe, he's defending over half of his ranking. So it's likely that these days are going to soon be over. Uh, when it comes to San Luis Potosi and the qualities, there's Yun Cheng Shang as an alternate, which is interesting. I'm not sure he's going to mm-hmm. do particularly well on altitude, but uh, you know, he's he's not getting a wild card here. He actually got got here in his own ranking. Uh, there's a few interesting guys like Antoine Bellier, for example, which who could be quite good, I think, because he's serving volleys on on this clay, and if he can, obviously he's not as uh, good at this as <laughs> as Westlet, but maybe uh, I'm not sure. If, there, there's a lot of good players in the qualities, but I'm not sure if anyone can really go on a deep run. Maybe they if they land in a weaker section like Decams or I don't know, even Hati Habib or or Kiros. But anyhow, coming back to the main draw. Uh, it feels very tempting for me to just go for Wessler. Uh, his run wasn't that uh, draining physically, and he also, he's also in that free qualifiers section, which, as I said, I mean, it could be fairly tough. Uh, but you know, with, with Wessler's game, uh, I think he's just one of the players here that are most that, that I really could rely on. Nicolas Jari could also be a pick for sure because, but he's playing Gerard Meltzer. They they actually just played this week in uh, Mexico City, and it was fairly tight, but still straight sets. Uh, you mentioned Kazal as well, whom I, I would like to mention that he's uh, playing his fair, just his third event this year. Uh, also, a pretty interesting choice to go to San Luis Potosi. Uh, he played uh, two ITFs in Croatia and didn't do that well. I think he he was injured at the beginning of the season. And so, again, I, I think I'm just mostly picking between Wessler and Jari. Maybe I'm underrating Facundo Meno on altitude again. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with Wessler. Uh, I just don't like Jari Meltzer. I, that, 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 that scares me. Um, yes, yeah. I, I originally wrote down Mena. Um, I am going to change it to, to Hari. It, it, it is a, it is a tricky tricky matchup um, against Meltzer. Um, they they played each other last week, two tight sets. The head to head is two two. No, yeah, I, I'm sticking with with um, 
Harry, because after Mel said the the draw, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melly Jenny could be tricky, but outside of that, I, I don't really know. the The third section seems kind of weak, so I feel like the semifinals coming out of there won't be won't be as tough. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 gonna go with with Harry here. Just a quick shout out to Rodrigo Pacheco Mendes, by the way. Uh, I think you guys, when if you if you get the chance, to, you should you should try to watch him. He is 16 and played uh, Dennis Kudla in Acapulco this year, took a set and then also won one round in Monterey Qualies. And he just seems really talented. Uh, at 16, he's he's definitely playing uh, very well for his age. Uh, we don't know yet who he's going to face. He's playing a qualifier, but this could be this could be a very interesting match. Not necessarily that he's going to be. Uh, in contention to for a deep run here, uh, but someone that we possibly might be watching in in a few years time. Yeah, sixteen years old, top fifteen junior already. So yeah, uh, very, very very impressive. If he plays like Shang or somebody, I feel like that would be a one to watch for sure. Uh, out of the qualifiers, um, yes. Should we move on to Barletta? Sure. Barletta, where Gilles Simon is the top seed, playing Marius Kopil. Winner faces Luca Nardi or Alexander Muller. Then we have Katsper Juk playing Jeffrey Blancano. Uh, winner faces Giulio Tepieri or a qualifier. Second section, we have Yuri Rodionov playing Ricardo Bonadio. Winner faces Alexander Shevchenko or Dalibor Svarcina. Uh, then there's Franco Agomenone playing Francesco Passaro. Uh, interesting first round. Winner faces Andrea Arnaboldi or a qualifier. So potential Italian corner here if the qualifier is Italian as well. Um, third section, Daniel Collage plays a qualifier. Uh, winner faces Andrea Pellegrini or a qualifier. Then there's Constant Lestien playing Yellow Cells. Winner faces Gregor Barrer or Nerman Fatic. Final section, Nuno Borges uh, plays a qualifier. Then he could face Lukas Rosso or Alexander Ovcherenko. Um, also in the section is Enzo Cuaco playing Lorenzo Giustino. Winner faces Yevgeny Karlovsky or a qualifier. Um, yes. Well, what are your thoughts on the on the main draw and the qualifying here? We we, we had a we had an interesting guy playing in the forty-three-year-old yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Savino La Palombella. Uh, career high 1469 I believe from 2005 and I mean yeah this is just a farce and I, I I can't understand how this happens like if I was a player there's so many good players on the ITF tour who would love a chance to play a challenger and if I was one of them I'd be pissed honestly uh, this guy was just barely moving he was moving like he was 70 not 43 um, I mean, my dad is 60. He never played pro tennis, but he surely moves much, much better than him. I, I, I reckon, I don't know if he could have beaten him. I, I suppose, really. I mean, La Bella was just... Uh, you, you should watch it. You, you should just rewatch it. If you, yeah. Honestly, you, could, you, you can rewatch it easily because it's just 38 minutes. This just really shouldn't happen at this level, frankly. Uh, I don't know who he paid or or whatever or who he knows, but anyhow. So we're, we're uh-huh. Looking a bit more into this uh, La Palombella guy, he's been playing the Barletta Challenger for a yeah. while, uh, sort of had a two-year break here. 
uh, and he also played Andrea Challenger in 2018. And, and Trani, yeah. And he's, he, since 2005 or six, he's only been playing Trani, Andrea Barletta Challenger qualifying. Yeah. Yeah, he actually oh. played Lorenzo Mego in 2016 in in Belletta. Yeah. Um, but he always wins a game. He 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 never gets double bageled, which is I, I guess impressive in a way. <laughs> but <laughs> nice catch. Uh, if honestly, if this if if this how he looked today, if this was the case for every single one of his matches previously, I'd honestly say that he just asks the opponent to give him a game. It must be something like there's that. so many there's so many six zero six ones there and i mean it's but but again this is the first time i saw this guy maybe in the past he played okay i have no clue right now he just wasn't moving at all it was really hard to even judge the technique because even on the serve he was just not you know not moving not not really bending the knees not nothing there really that this had nothing yeah. to do with professional tennis I, I don't remember exactly how the ATP rankings worked in 2005 compared to the current system that we have right now. But right now, I don't think this guy would ever get the chance to be ranked number 1469. When you go through his ITF page, like on just on results, he would never get to this spot. Right now, it's just so much tougher. So um, yeah, again, it, it, this really shouldn't happen. And just no it, it wasn't a pleasant watch it was funny at first uh but just putting yourself in the position of, of some sort of young players that would really kill <laughs> kill someone obviously not kill someone but uh that, that would kill for for a chance to uh to play challenger qualifying and then you've got Savino La Palombella, who has an has his own website by the way and says there that he's a credit broker tennis player and an entrepreneur and he might be a credit broker. He might be an entrepreneur, but tennis player, not in the professional sense, at, at least right now. Because as I said, I, I can't tell you how this guy played in 1999 or how this guy played in 2005. That, that, that doesn't seem like he was that much better. Just looking no. at the results. Yeah, just looking at the results, there's nothing there. That's why I, I think the the ranking system had to work somehow differently. Yeah, he 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 won a round at a qualifying uh, in a, of a challenger in two thousand four, so I assume that's why he was ranked for two thousand and five. Yeah. Probably, uh, yeah, that was probably his only time or something. I I, I didn't look at his uh, uh, ranking history right because you can look at the at the ranking history on the on the ATP page, which I probably should have done, but I. It didn't come to mind, but but it's possible that it was just the only time this guy was ranked. And well, uh, 2005, right? That was 2000. He stopped being ranked in uh, July 2006, and to, uh, September, no, no, August 2005, he was ranked for the first time. Yeah, so he was only ranked yeah. for a year. So that was just so, just so, one. So he has two career wins. One was at a challenger qualifying in Trani 2004. Um, and then one was at a 25k, so I assume he didn't get a uh, points for that. Yeah. So basically, there were less there were less uh, professional players back then. That's why he has the career high of 1469. And right now, we actually have to have a few points to to get there. Uh, anyhow, uh, in the qualities, there's a few guys we didn't mention, like Sevatuti in Sanremo, who had a bit of a resurgence run. Uh, he's beating Shimon Valkov right now, which isn't a, a surprise given that that Valkov on, only plays doubles. Uh, Pavel Chash was there, 
um, which I obviously have to mention. Uh, he lost to Arnaldi today. Also a very weird scoreline, 6-4, uh, it, It's a little bit of a shame he didn't win, uh, even though Arnaldi is probably quite a tough match. Uh, it, it was his first challenger outside Poland in four years, I think. I hope he's gonna play more because, like, at this stage of your career, what, what do you want to do? I make some impact at challengers would be would be the answer, and it's a shame he didn't make it because he would play Rabul in the final qualifying round. So, uh, so that would have been a very good chance. Anyhow, coming back to the main draw, I have a guy that I really want to pick here. I'm probably gonna do it, uh, but let me say that Rodionov Bonatio looks very tasty uh, out of out of the first round matchups. Uh, this peak, I've been going for it a lot. I think you probably already know who that is. And at some point, it has to work out. And I'm, I'm going to go Nuno Borges again. I like the draw. Uh, and that's mostly the reason. I don't think he played that poorly in Oeirash, even though this wasn't quite the, the peak Borges that we saw last year. Uh, but uh, I think that in, in both in both losses against Monteiro and Elias, uh, no, no, not against Monteiro, against Serdarusic, he was just really gassed, and against Elias, he played very well. Uh, but but he beat Monteiro in that in that uh, tight thriller. Uh, I think the the, the reason why uh, I mentioned it I mentioned it last week that uh, he's been playing so many doubles uh, events with Cabral that it's actually sort of destroying his chances to, to go deep into singles sometimes. I think that's what happened in the first uh, first week at Oeirash, probably not in the second one, but he's not playing doubles here. So yeah. uh, so I think this is a very good spot for me to pick him. I'd actually be uh, mildly surprised if you went for someone else. Yeah, and guess what? I also have Borges written yeah. down. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense. He, he's good to be rested-ish. Uh, I mean, he, he played doubles deep into the week, but it wasn't even long doubles. It was easy yeah. straight to doubles for the most part. Three matches and just now. one was long, yeah. Re- really good section. Yes, uh, Rosso has been, you know, I don't know, decent, not a complete walkover uh, on, on clay this year, which which is actually a little bit surprising. You know, good wins, beat Gianessi and Rosato degli Abruzzi, then Skatov and Juk. Last week, um, but I feel like Borges should should dominate him. Uh, who else is there? I mean, Kuako, and then the, the the third section I think is very nice. Um, I I like Borges to the final, and I like him. I like him for the title as well. Uh, it's a pretty obvious pick here. I think yeah. there's just yeah. the, the top half is a little more stacked, and there's plenty of guys who are not as consistent. Like you, you can never really know what to expect from Rodionov or Nardi. So yeah, so I think Borges is is a very natural pick here. Yes, yeah, and to close us out, we have Madrid, or we have a a good couple of big names, I think. Uh, but uh, the top seed is Roberto Carbaez Baena playing Dimitri Popko. Winner faces Gianmarco Moroni or Pavel Kotov. Uh, then we have um, an interesting matchup: Luca Pui, the sixth seed, plays Maximilian Materel. Winner faces Timofey Skatov or qualifier. Uh, then a fun one, Fernando Vedasco plays Dimitar Kuzmanov. Uh, winner faces Gastao Eliash or Manuel Guinard. Uh, also in the section, Nikola Milojevic plays Altuk Chalik Bilek. Winner facing uh, Pedro Kacin or Qualifier. Uh, third section, we had Chung Sin Seng pull out. So it's Christopher O'Connell um, playing a Qualifier. Winner faces Dui Aydukovic or Qualifier. 
then there's Feliciano Lopez uh, looking for his first win of the year. Uh, currently 0 and 6 in in 2022. Uh, plays a qualifier. Uh, winner faces Alessandro Genesi or Mar- or Marco Trunchetti. Uh Final section we have Chago Montero against a qualifier. Um, winner faces really? John Borpiro or Miguel so, Tamas. O'Connell, O'Connell withdrew because I think no. O- 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 O'Connell moved to move to ninth seed because ah, Tank withdrew. Okay. Yeah. drew. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Sorry I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't pay attention. Never mind. <laughs> Yes, uh, Montero plays qualifier or lucky loser technically, but that's too long to say. Winner faces Miguel Damas or Jean Borpiros, and then Mats Morang plays Matthias Borg. Winner faces Sebastian Ofner or a qualifier. Who do you like here in Madrid? Yeah, Ofner, uh, Ofner is playing his second match, I believe, only uh, this year after losing to Brancaccio in Murcia. Yeah. Uh, a very strong draw here. Uh, I think even the the qualies really um, have a lot of good names as well, like Maroshan, Krutek, Baranko Casano, uh, Moleker again. I, I think he's actually playing quite well, uh, which I think I, I mentioned last time. Uh, and he, he had a decent match against Foretek in Murcia. Uh, would be great if this guy got back on track somehow. Pedro Souza as well. He played in uh, he played very well in Oirash. Just lost to to Borges in a in a very tight match. Uh, anyhow, looking at the main draw, uh, not surprised Seng withdrew, but I guess uh, maybe maybe I would have I wouldn't have gone for him, but this would have been another nice draw for Junkin Seng. It feels like um, I'm finding it very tough to to pick out of this. I'm actually quite happy that Monteiro is is uh, now facing a qualifier because I thought of him as a pick, but then again, do I trust him against Piroz? Probably not. Morain has been uh, injured again, I think. Uh, something in Miami, right? So some some retirement. Uh, so it's just, yeah. Not going to go Gasta Elias. Madrid is not that far from Portugal. But, uh, just going for three, three weeks in a row. I, I don't like this. Uh, Puy, Marterer again. I guess I have to go Carbaez Baena, but I, I'm not happy about this peak at all. Like, I, I just don't see another option. Because literally 90% of the... No, 90% is a stretch, but I mean, 50% of these players can win it and I won't blink, like won't even, you know, uh, I won't be surprised at all. So I think I have to go with Carbaez Baena, even though I, I don't like picking top seeds. I, I remember even uh, saying that I don't like picking Carbaez Baena because of his passive style and how it's a little irritating when he's... Uh, faced with someone who's redlining and doesn't really have anything to do. Uh, but I, I, I do have to go for it because I just don't see another option for myself. Yeah, I, I also have Carabais putting everything down. I'm sort of looking for another option because I don't want us to, to match here. <sighs> I'm thinking about Vedasco, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I had it in mind too, but do I trust him to win five matches in a row? Well, it's uh... ah, no, okay. I'm doing it. I'm going with Dasco. I'm changing it. Okay. Um, yes, hopefully it pays off. Uh, not like last week where <laughs> I make two changes and then <laughs> they both went further than, than the picks that I, that I changed them to. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm going, I'm going with Dasco here. I, I have no belief in it. I, but 
Yeah, well, no. to be is. fair, I have no belief in Carbaez Bana either. I mean, he can win it, but so can Verdasco. Like, the, the draw is literally very even. There, there's no any front runners. Like in Barletta, we just had Nuno Borges, who seemed so much better as a pick, not necessarily better than the whole field as a player, but better as a pick because of how the draw is organized. And here, you just, I don't know, you could literally pick most of these guys and i wouldn't say that it's a stupid idea or something yeah yes so those are our picks um for next week um anything else that you want to mention before we before we go probably not um i think that's where we're gonna finish it's probably very long again uh let's <laughs> see if alex Molchan wins the title in marrakesh uh, because it's still it's still going on when we're recording. So we're going to see you guys in a week to talk about uh, San Luis Potosi, Sarasota, Sarasota, yeah, uh, Madrid and uh, Barletta. Just four events this week. So yeah, a lot of rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I quickly wanted to mention ah, okay. really, uh, for, for Madrid. I, for, I forgot. I had this written down. Franco Skugor is playing the, the doubles. Uh, his first challenger since 2018. Uh, he's, he's a top seed with, with Molchan up there. Um, but yeah, that's it. We will see you next time. Bye. Then I guess, I, I guess I'll also say that uh, Ben McLaughlin <laughs> is playing the doubles in uh, Barletta with Valkov. And it's his first challenger since 2020, I think. Uh, well, there you yeah, go. Parma. Yeah. yeah. Some can't, some can't doubles fun facts at the very end. If you <laughs> uh, if you turned it off like a half a minute earlier, then you're you're not gonna know. And what are you going to do? Uh yeah. So again, thanks guys and see you in a week. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric podcast from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Diaka Bobro. A huge thank you to them for their continued efforts, for their continued contributions to our Cracked Rackets team. You know I say it every week. I mean it each time I do. You will not find two people who follow all of the action more closely nor feel more passionately about these players than Damian and Jakob. So again, a huge thank you to them for all they do for us here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, if you're looking for what else happened last week on the ATP and WTA Tour. Head on over to our mini break podcast feed. I broke down all the tour level action. And of course, we'll be breaking down all the college action that occurred throughout the course of the podcast this week. We'll also have our junior update for you as the GOAT, Colette Lewis, going to join me on this podcast feed later this week to talk about all the Easter Bowl action, the intersection of juniors and college, and so much more. I promise you, listeners, it's going to be a fun week of content. So we hope you check it all out. And of course, you can find it all on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, you can like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, and our YouTube feed to ensure that you don't miss out on anything. And if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out, as well, to our friends at Turner. You know the deal. Contact sales at uniquesports.com today to join the Turner family with all of of that said, for Cracked Rackets contributors Damien Kust and Jakob Bobro, super producer Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.